You're listening to Higher Ed Social, part of the Connect EDU network. We see a lot of HGTV shows and people are buying stuff in Canada, but I guess, <laughs> I guess, I mean, so I was, uh, I was at a, um, I was at a bar downtown two bits and, um, I was playing Mario Kart. It's a, it's a, it's like an arcade bar. Cause mm-hmm. you know, I'm a nerd and that's where nerdy play- people go. And I turn around behind me cause you know, you try not to hog the thing and very patiently, Next in line, right behind me, is a property brother. Oh wow! Yeah, was it the one of the famous ones, or is it the uh, the older brother that gets rarely seen? It's one of the twins. I don't know. Okay. Um, They look the same. Um, (laughs) I think this one. I think this one was the one that's plaid and a little, little more um, facial hair. I don't know. Um, I wouldn't be able to tell you which one that is, but uh, you know, it's either. <laughs> I can't tell either. Um, but um, it looked like they were out on dates with their girlfriends. I think what I think that one's the one that got married, but I can't tell. I don't know. I don't keep up with the the romantic lives of um, HGTV, you know, celebrities. But but I was like, oh my gosh, it's a property brother. <laughs> And, um, and then lo and behold, the other one was playing pinball. So that was interesting. Like, but see, that's the weird thing about Nashville and and it's not really a brag. It's just that you run into people like that all the time and it's nothing like Mm -hmm. you at first you're like, oh my gosh. And then you're just like, oh, he wants Mario Kart. Okay. Well, I'm going to (laughs) finish playing. (laughs) Well, I mean, I can't blame him for wanting Mario Kart. I've. A large portion of my childhood was spent uh, trying to hack Rainbow Road, so I totally get uh, the Property Brothers mentality in that way. Um, but yeah, that's, that's funny. I mean, I can't say. I mean, Toronto obviously has its fair share of celebrities that come through. Yes, all it the does. I mean, you know, we're always hearing uh, our local, one of our local blog sites that's saying, "Oh, this celebrity came by." Um, you know, I've seen a few on the, in the airports as well all the time, but uh, not out and about as much but i find it maybe because it's just toronto is such a sprawling area that is often really difficult and there's so many exclusive places now that uh you know it's difficult to get into that you don't see it as much but i you know i always hear it all the time people coming through and enjoying toronto i mean at least that's uh what the general consensus is i generally live vicariously through my friend lauren's like twitter account she lives in toronto it's it's interesting to to watch her take on things and the stuff that she does, um, in Toronto. Um, and it's beautiful. It's a beautiful city from what I can tell from watching my friends on Twitter. Um, (laughs) I have another one that's in London, um, or a couple. Um, and I haven't really talked to them in a long time, but you know, Toronto seems like a happening place. It really does. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I would recommend anybody come check out Toronto. I mean, there's so much to do. I mean, aside from the touristy things that are either cliche or enjoyable, I mean, depending on what you're into, I think that it is really entertaining. But outside of that, there's just so much uh, different things. And what makes Toronto really special, which is why I love living here, is that you can get any 
type of food and always be the best food at any hour of the day. If I said right now that I wanted the best uh, Swahilian dish, without a doubt, I'd be able to get it with a snap of my fingers. And you just can't beat that kind of diversity that Toronto offers, which is why I just love the city so much. See, Nashville's just now starting to get where it's good like that. Yeah. Right? Um, I know it's nowhere near what you guys are, but we have a ramen place now. We have two ramen places (laughs) now, you know? We have, you know, pho all over the place. Um, And and here I am. I've just named two noodle dishes. But... um, But you get what I'm saying. There, there's 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 a lot of great places to eat now. Great barbecue. Oh my gosh! I don't know how we became such a great barbecue city, but we did. Um, and well, I wish I could say that Toronto was new to pho, but I swear you can't turn a city block without seeing two different pho places. So uh, that that kind of speaks to the difference, <laughs> I guess, of Toronto compared. I, I guess that's the, the, it. Just comes first, right? First yeah. came the ramen, then came the pho, <laughs> then came the yeah, the Thai, you know, then can... came the all the other things. Um, so before we get too deep down the rabbit hole, why don't you introduce yourself, Jason? Yeah. So uh, my name is uh, Jason Miller. I work for York University, which is in Toronto, Canada, the third largest university in Canada, second largest in Toronto. And I'm the digital specialist there. Uh, Before that, I've been in this role now for about a year and a half. Before that, I was at the business school in a very similar capacity. And before that time, I was actually a sports information officer at a college in Toronto. So for a large portion of my career, I have spent predominantly in higher education. So a little bit about me there on the professional side. That's awesome. So digital specialist, that is... Mm -hmm. That could be a very loaded job title. <laughs> um, why don't you tell us a little bit about the stuff that you do? Yeah, certainly. Well, I mean, digital specialist, I swear it's, uh, it's everything in a handbag. But I, the way I would define it is that my main core of my responsibilities is uh, creating the pan-university uh, social media strategy for both central communications and as well, all the other um, institutional accounts that are across the university. So whether it be faculties, departments, um, or research hubs, anything like that, I help with the digital strategy, make sure they get on brand. And we're sharing one unified message across uh, those instit- all those different accounts. And on top of that as well, just making sure that there are certain themes that we share as a university that kind of break through the noise of the daily social media. So in a nutshell, that's kind of what I lead. But then again, like every other social media person out there in higher education, um, your day can also be spent doing all kinds of different things. And if in any job description, you'll say, you know, 10% of your job description is other responsibilities. You know, I'd like to argue that it's probably a little bit different than it actually is, but um, the other responsibilities tend to uh, get all over the place, and <laughs> I can't complain because it's uh, you know that's probably what makes a job uh, a little bit more exciting and fun. So you work? Do you work directly in central communications, or um, where do you, where is your uh, you know where are you situated uh, within the university? Because I know you work with them, but I wasn't sure if you actually were there. Mm-hmm. So I work in central communications. Okay. So that's uh, where our role is. And then we, you know, help consult with uh, the external faculty slash colleges, depending on uh, their different projects. But 
predominantly I am in central communications, um, but my role is very much uh, pan university. So mm-hmm. uh, it does like any central communications person, I guess um, I have to deal a lot with all the other uh, social media practitioners around the university and uh, really get that uh, partnership building and, you know, working mm-hmm. on various projects together. So, so yeah. h- how many, um, how many folks, I know it's hard to, to know exactly how many folks there are across campus that are running social media accounts because I do it myself and um, they kind of pop up like little <laughs> groundhogs. Um, but like how um, how many do you guys have and you know what do you do to kind of work with those folks what kinds of stuff do you provide them yeah well that's a you know a good question and it's funny that you actually mentioned groundhog because uh, we actually have a York U groundhog uh, Twitter account which oh there's is not okay. <laughs> I didn't know if you did your research first because the way I did you were not saying I that, just I said like, groundhog because there's I there's no I... way this is a coincidence right now that you're actually referencing the groundhog but so while well, I didn't not... want to say whack-a-mole so <laughs> um so I was trying to be a little a little more gracious I guess <laughs> well the groundhog is an official um twitter account of the university it does get sometimes priority status because it is a really cute animal but I, I to go back to your earlier question, the amount of actual people that work here, I would say around 50, give or take. But that doesn't mean that their whole role is predominantly social media. It oftentimes it's what they do on one portion of their desk. And then they, they also manage other things as well, additional communications pieces, or they manage uh, maybe some of the recruitment side of things as well. So I would estimate 50, but it could be more or less. As you said, we get groundhog accounts both figuratively and literally that pop up on the regular so that's how i would say how many people but how i help nurture them is we have a few different initiatives that place at our university that help to get to raise both the iq and just uh, the general uh, cohesiveness of our teams and one of them is uh, we do have a digital team that meets probably about four or five times a year, and we just go either through best practices, we have guest speakers, we we meet with each other, and led by myself, we go through all the the various nuances of social media, talk about um, the different themes that are coming up throughout Pan University and ways that we can align our efforts and any other days of significance that are coming up that we think there may be a opportunity to collaborate on to create some great content. So that is one of the main things that we do to help all those other accounts as well. And the other less exciting thing, but still quite relevant thing is just getting each one of them on brand, both from a visual and a, um, a non-visual perspective as well. Yeah. That's a speaking from experience. That is a job in and of itself. Um, (laughs) um, but I, I, and I say that completely lovingly because everybody, Everybody definitely wants to have their own voice and everybody wants to have their own little, I don't want to say edginess, but they want to, they want to be different. Mm -hmm. They want to be special. Um, And, and it's, and and that's important. It really is. As far as the social account goes for, um, you know, a a department versus a, um, versus a flagship um, level account. But, you know, we all still are playing on the same team. And, uh, you know, that's a challenge that I've 
you know, faced in my days. But I think I've, I think I found like that nice middle ground. Um, and that's, that's always the happy place to be. Um, so, um, yeah, the middle ground, I would like to learn. I got there sometimes because I tell you it's sometimes it's an uphill battle. Um, I think we're actually at a very comfortable place right now, Mm -hmm. but there are still times when we do feel that it's, it's always an improvement, but I think it's one of those, uh, those things that you try to always improve gradually and get everyone on the same page because we've tried to do it. Uh, in a singular deadline and oftentimes it doesn't work and there's other issues that happen throughout the university so I I think we're at a really good spot now but that being said I mean I think there's always room for improvement oh there's always room for improvement but (laughs) as you said there's always accounts that come out of nowhere and you're like I didn't even know this area existed before and now it's like I gotta try and get it on brand and I gotta go through best practices or etc or help ways to find them reach their audience that they're looking for well, I've learned some things from my folks um, at other schools, and and they're definitely different. They're different ways of of doing it. But my general take is this: if you're fighting an uphill battle, you should first decide, and the first question you should always ask is: Is this do do I really want to fight up this hill, and is it worth it? Like, is is what I want like? that big of a deal is it really going to make that difference that kind of difference to you know the followers that these folks make and sometimes yes it is definitely the case um and then sometimes it's like "Eh, maybe i can just call him and say hey guy you know um or girl you know um it's you know high person what you're doing uh, could be, you know, considered bad by some people. And you really don't want the wrath of the internet to come down upon you um, because it's not fun. Uh, no, no, not only is it not fun, um, but uh, uh, not saying that we're dealing with social media crises here, but you got to be careful and you've got to understand what you're doing. And um, at the same time, too, and I mean, our biggest issue, I think, sometimes is um, the two-way communication that's supposed to happen with social media. You're supposed to respond to people. It's not just posting. You have to, you know, social your media <laughs> a little bit, you know. Um, you can't rem- You got to remember that the whole point of social media is not just to get the word out, but also to receive um, some feedback, hopefully positive, um, in return. Um, and you've got to do stuff to earn people's, you know, likes and comments and smiley faces, um, and hopefully not earn frowny faces and, um, Twitter wars. So (laughs) yeah. Um, I think that that's yeah, important. Twitter war would be, uh, yeah, that's usually not something you want to have to deal with because those things tend to uh, take on a life of their own as well. Well, one thing I always told people, and I'm just kind of glad, no one has told me, let's make a viral video in a very long time. But I think people <laughs> have started to realize, you know, those viral videos, they're usually not positive. Um, very rarely is there a happy um viral video like today someone told was telling me about kid kids bop karen which 
I was like, okay, that could be either really innocent and fun, or it could be a lady sticking her head into an Uber, uh, yelling and cursing at a lady in the backseat that's filming her. And that is exactly what it was. Um, well, it, so. that went in a direction I was not expecting. I was expecting the Bop It game, so that really came out of well, left field. Yeah, in the U.S., Kids Bop is like the the kids singing um, songs that would normally be inappropriate for children to sing. Um, it's like the kid version of it, sung by kids. <laughs> um, and some of it is like, you know, when they're singing Justin Timberlake, and you know what he's singing about, and they're singing it. I don't know if the context works, but you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> it's been around since I was a kid um, and it's still going. So anyway, well, um, I mean, I mean, I think when I listen to some of the songs I maybe listened to when I was a kid, I'm, and you pick up on some of those subtleties, you kind of have to shake your head a bit and go, I remember blasting this on my cassette in my basement. I may be aging myself now, but it's okay. now I'm, I'm looking I'm back at this too. and I'm thinking, I did not know what a single thing of that meant, but at the time, I was having the time of my life. Yep. Yep, that was me and Alanis Morissette. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I didn't just age myself there. I, I just made a bunch of people question my taste in music. Um, but in any case, um, why, do you, why do you like what you do? I mean, obviously, you're still doing it, and you've been doing it for quite a while. Like, what, what made you want to become you know, a person who does digital media um, in higher ed. Yeah, well, I think like a lot of other people, um, it wasn't initially how I got into the career. I started out as a journalist, worked around there for a while. So I started that storytelling and that development of content. And I always had a passion for social. I liked the unique nature of communication, the creativity that involved. But it was never part of my career path, maybe because when I was in university, there really wasn't this career existed at the time. So, you know, I was very much going to be in journalism. And then uh, after a while, I started, you know, transferring that skill set because they needed those writers and those uh, people with photography skills and that storytelling capability. And it was almost like a gradual progression into social media for higher education, both in athletics and then within uh, central communications and business schools and it was those intangible skills through journalism that actually really sparked my interest and as well I've always really liked higher education from an industry standpoint just because it's you know it is a really happening place and I know before uh, we started recording we were talking briefly about basketball but um, you know just being part of that athletics and that energy and everything it's really such a great opportunity and I just love being part of that environment which has also made it so enticing for me to stay within this industry and continue to grow and evolve and change roles over time because it is just something I really enjoy and just getting the opportunity to do other things outside of uh, social media as well like um, at the university I now have the opportunity, I'm going to be teaching a class, and as well as on top of that, I also announce basketball games for the university on the side. So just these fun little things that you get to do that add an additional layer and color to this, to the role that I never knew possible. And so that's why, you know, I've stuck in this area so long, because it is just so much fun. And then at the end of the day, just being able to be creative and 
create new stuff and when you see or that really good post that gets those likes or that really good content that really showcases your brand or really just is with some good you, you know it feels good and it's just it's nice to feeling. really exercise that uh that side of the brain and i mean i i would say it's definitely um an addiction for i think a lot of people sometimes because you you know when you really get that good piece you're finally like you know it's good and you want to get that next one and uh you know that's that's really why i stayed in it and i hope that didn't uh sound too off or anything but that's you know no. an honest honest reason why i've uh, definitely stayed in that uh, social media within higher education. Um, you know, I've I've done some freelance work with some other brands as well, but higher education is really unique because there's so many different stories to tell all the time, and you can always find such inspiring cool. students. You know, when I was at the business school, there were so many inspiring students to share their stories, hear their startup ideas, uh, the unique things they're doing, um, or just even their journey for where they are today. I mean, it was. It was always so amazing, and it just always kept me inspired. So another reason why I've wanted to stay in this industry. You're not the first person to say that, um, and I and, and I think that's a good thing because I think that there's a lot of us that are in it for that reason. I mean, for me, it's you know being able to interact with students and being able to be part of something that changes people's lives, right? Mm -hmm. I mean. There are lots of brands you could work for, but you know, and and I'm you could you could you could work for a brand that sells computers. Is a computer going to change someone's life? Not really, probably not. Um, is a computer is a is a is a phone going to change someone's life? I mean, one phone probably changed people's lives like in 2007, but you know we're <laughs> kind of past that now. Um, you know. I think the world and I think the future of the world is is going to be defined by education. And that's the thing that I think is um, what makes it most fun to work in higher ed is because not only do you get to watch and see students changing the world or coming up to change the world, but you also have professors. <clears throat> Sorry, you also have professors um, who are doing groundbreaking research. You have, um, you know, faculty members coming up with new ways of thinking. Um, it, it's pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing to see and work in a place where all of these things are happening and they all live under one brand. And and it's, I don't think you can find that in other brands. Um, yeah, I don't think there's too many out there. I mean, I think you nailed it on the head there when you said that there's so many different things going on all under one roof that just makes it so exciting. And that's why I think one of the things with running social media within higher education is so exciting because one day you may be writing a story about some unique uh, groundbreaking research. I know at York we were recently doing some stuff about uh, bee research, but then the next day you're doing some student involvement event which is really exciting and really rah 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 and then next day you're doing something you know completely different talking about new partnerships with industry that really kind of give the students that, that that educational experience and you're doing all these different things and each day you're getting that different experience so it's uh definitely something that i can concur with 100 percent. well i think that's a great place to end on because that's just a good feel good kind of thing <laughs> Um, so thanks, Jason, for being on the show this week. Yeah, no, uh, thanks so much for having me. It was uh, great to be on, and it was good after listening all this time to uh, 
be able to roll reverse for a little bit. <laughs> it's nice. Um, and listeners, head down to higher and get links to stuff we talked about today and subscribe to the show anywhere you listen to podcasts. If you like the show, please consider giving us a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps people find us and it lets us know what you think of the show. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at HES Podcast. Send us a tweet. We love talking to you. And don't forget to let us know if you want to be on the show. Um, that's what Jason did, by the way, except it wasn't on Twitter. He actually went on the website, but you know, you can be on the show too. Um, High Red Social was created by Jackie Vitrano and Logan Bishop and is produced by the amazing Emma Haas. We're part of the Connect EDU network, the first podcast network for higher education. Visit the website connectedu.network and subscribe to some awesome shows no matter where you work on campus. Thanks and have a great week. <laughs>